Before we get to today's show, I want to remind you guys that the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I also want to remind you that not only is the NCAA tournament back, but so is Stanford Steve and the Bear, one of ESPN's sports gambling-centric podcasts. Scott Van Pelt's right-hand man, Stanford Steve, and College Game Day's Chris the Bear Felica bring you gambling insights, tidbits, and picks for the NCAA tournament. Check out Stanford Steve and the Bear wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Munich Ive Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks that Nike, Bill Belichick's dog, should be full-time GM. Steven, did you see the picture that the Patriots tweeted out of Nike? I did see it, and my favorite part was Ian Rappaport on NFL Network calling it a cat. Where that shows you the state <laughs> of his brain right now, and totally understandable for Ian Rappaport to be <sighs> tweeting like a madman. It looks nothing like a cat. It, it, that's crazy. I, I forget what the breed is. Everyone found this out during the draft when they did a goof, which was also just strangely, I, you know, if people are surprised about this new era of Bill Belichick going big spending, um, and we're going to talk about that obviously today as well as some other big moves. Uh, I feel like that was the sign that we were entering a different era of Bill Belichick. Like he does goofs. He loves cam newton like and embraces him publicly unlike you know is like warm and cuddly and apparently he drops the bag uh for everyone so new it's like a new world in foxborough these days yeah instead of all of us uh thinking the jalen mill signing was smart we're all like i don't know if this is gonna work out but like a year ago before the brady nonsense happened we'd all be like yeah belichick's turning this dude into an all pro I actually, though, I will say I was afraid to criticize it because it's like Belichick and a DB. And I was like, I don't know. He's played a lot of positions. I don't know. Like, we're probably missing something here. Um, Okay, let's just jump right into the Patriots. So first, I want to do the thing I never remember to do at the top of the show, which is actually remind people who the guest is. Uh, It's Steven Ruiz. If you listen to this podcast, you know his voice from For the Win uh, podcast co-host of The Counter, which is a great football podcast. You guys should check out. Stephen and Charles McDonald, who's also a common guest on the Mina Kimes show, have been, you're not grading. So I guess reviewing free agent signings is a way to put it. Yeah, but don't worry. The grades will come. The takes will fly. We're not going to get through a free agent week without me, you know, launching off some hot takes. And alienating a fan base. Well, I'm curious to see what fan base you alienate today. Um, I asked for questions ahead of free agency thinking that like since you and i are taping it's monday we're taping like right at the beginning of the legal tampering period and the deals are flying um i didn't want to try to catch a falling knife so to speak but a lot of the questions actually lined up with the signings that have happened so far because people have zeroed in on i think the teams that have been active because they actually have money which is not um, a guaranteed in free agency this year. And so it makes sense, I think, to start with a team that made the biggest splash, the New England Patriots, spending more money, more guaranteed money than they ever have, I believe. Uh, certainly like the last 10 years, um, Schefter put out the statistics. It's crazy. So just to recap some of the major deals, um, Jonu Smith, four years, $50 million, the uh, Titans tight end. Matthew Judon, Matt, sometimes he goes by Matt, Matt Judon, Fits better in a tweet. 
Four years, $56 million. And then the aforementioned Jalen Mills, this was probably the biggest head scratcher. Four years, $24 million. Also, um, Devon Godshaw, I think I said his name right, Godshaw. Um, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, it's crazy town. And I guess start before we get to these like actual players and their fits. Are you surprised? Like, we going into this free agency, the, the the Patriots had a ton of money. They were actually, I think, had the second most yesterday when I looked it over the cap. Um, the question, by the way, is from Jay Youssef, who asks, "Who should the Patriots target?" Well, we now know the answer, so let's talk about <laughs> who they targeted. Like, how do you feel about day one and the Patriots going so big? I feel like day one is a big day for those. Hey, we got to wait and see people on Twitter who are like no fun whatsoever. And I can't help but do it with any of these these signings, though. So I'm going to be that coward and be like, I, I got to wait and see. Because, yes, Bill Belichick is a smart guy who tends to acquire useful players. But we've seen him dip his toes into free agency waters before, like 10 years ago, and, and come up with duds. Yeah, Adelius Thomas is a famous one. But I will say this. When I looked at all of those individual signings, I thought, whoa, that guy with the Patriots, that's how you're going to get the best out of him. Matthew Judon, I think, is the perfect example of that. Like, in a vacuum, I don't want to pay Matthew Judon $14 million to, you know, get sacks off of games and stunts and loops. But with the Patriots, you know they're going to put him in the right position to get those sacks. So I'm not worried about him being productive. And if you're going to overpay for players in free agency, just make sure they're productive. Yeah, Judon is an interesting one, too, because I was just looking up the contract. Like We're still waiting for all the terms on all these deals to come in, but Schefter said it's uh, four-year, $56 million, but just 32 in guarantees. So basically, it's a two-year deal, right? Which, again, mm-hmm. New England has a ton of money right now, and I think none of these deals so far put them in a difficult position moving forward. I think Judon... I, Judon and Jonu Smith, like in some ways, like they're both very patriot-y players, even Jalen Mills to a lesser extent. But like Judon, like as you mentioned, he's not your like A1 edge rusher. You can just line up across from anyone and he's going to get you sacks. Um, you have to basically scheme him out, which Baltimore did. I think probably most of his wins were through blitzes or, you know, I, I think Baltimore in general has not really had a edge rusher, including Yannick Ngakwe, who just signed with the Raiders, by the way, um, taken sort of that stud role because that's not what they're asking them to do on defense. And I think New England's similar in that regard. Um, you know, he's versatile. They can line him up anywhere. They can drop him into coverage. Like if this was... I'm trying to think of a team that really needs an edge rusher. Well, the Raiders, for example, I think it would be a disaster, <laughs> frankly. Um, but with New England, it kind of makes sense because every, it's like everybody's kind of situational in New England. And then Jonu Smith, um, you know, it was by far the best. What? Well, no, no. Hunter Henry's, I guess, I don't know who had, I think probably our rankings had Henry above Smith. They're very different. Uh, tight ends and their careers have moved in very different directions. Like as Hunter Henry's stock has gone down, Johnny Smith's stock has been slowly rising, but you know, physical yards after the catch play action. Um, when he's on the field, you don't know if you're throwing the ball, you're running it again, very new England. So like, however you feel about the price tags, like these players make a lot of sense for the Patriots. Right. And that's what I thought about Johnny Smith. He's a player that adds versatility that they haven't had since the early days. And we've been talking about 
it's all it was only like one year when they had Aaron Hernandez and Gronk, but like everyone's been talking about that one year ever since then and the Patriots rebuilding it. And I think Johnny Smith gives them that type of player where you can line them up in the backfield like they did with Gonzalez. You can even hand them the ball. The Titans did that a couple times. He's not a terrible blocker. I know he gets that rep just because he's athletic, so you automatically assume he can't do that. But he's a com- he's a competitor when he's blocking. At least he might get in the way. He's not going to be dominant like a George Kittle or Gronk. But I think he gives them some no huddle versatility where he could line up out wide one play, line up in the slot the next play, and then be an inline blocker on the next one. And with Cam Newton, who's basically an extra running back out there, it's really hard to match personnel with them if that's the lineup they're going to go with. We don't know what they're going to do at quarterback yet. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because I think so now, okay, it's, we the plan is in place. I think they're probably going to go after, I wouldn't be surprised, another mid-tier wide receiver, like a Curtis Samuel or maybe even like a Will Fuller, although that doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. But um, quarterback is still the question mark. And so they signed Cam Newton to like a backup contract. Uh, they can, there's a couple routes they can go. So we're going to talk about teams that are probably still open to the quarterbacks, but you're really looking at either Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mitch Trubisky, if he gets cut, um, sorry, um, trading for Mariota, trading for Jimmy G, or probably either taking a quarterback in the draft or trading up for a quarterback. And you're really, it's like Mac Jones territory. Um, what would you do if you were New England? I mean, I'm biased, so I'm going to say roll with Cam. I really don't think he was as bad as his numbers imply. I think he did. It did look that bad during certain parts of the season, especially when he came back from COVID. But give him a tight end. And this running, the running game was really good last year. I don't think anyone paid attention because who cares? They were a bad team and the passing game was so bad it didn't matter. But the run game, I think, is going to be good if Cam's starting. And now you bring in a tight end who can get open on his own, who could do some stuff with the ball in his hands. You add that mid-tier free agent receiver you've been talking about. It's a deep class in the draft also. Like if they bring in a Curtis Samuel, who's a guy who can not only do the gadget stuff, but he can get open deep. And he was Carolina's go-to target on third down and in the red zone, which shows you he can get open in a hurry. I think that's a player that really unlocks that, that skill group. It's not good, but it could be good enough. If you um, don't take a quarterback in the draft, so the P- Pats are picking at 21, yeah, um, you could get a really nice receiver there. like, Or even trade down and still get like a Rashad Bateman or I don't know where Jalen Waddle's being mocked right now. One of the Moors, you know what I mean? In that kind of second tier. Um it's just such a good draft to take a wide receiver and not trade up for Mac Jones. But do we trust Bill to get the right receiver? Because his no. track record has not been good. Oh, and it's so ugly. It's that's not even something you could say like with hindsight. Like the Nikhil Harry pick, oh. a lot of people hated that pick when it happened. And if you watch his film, it's like, what are you looking for in receivers? Because he couldn't get open in the Pac 12, which is very concerning. Uh, He relied a lot on contested catches, which always is a red flag for these college receivers, especially of late. We've seen those guys bust at a high rate. So I don't know. Maybe I'd rather have Bill spend in free agency. We got breaking news. news. Uh Uh-oh. We got breaking news. This is why I love rotating during the the free agency. Uh, The Patriots are expected to sign Raiders wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. They are close to a deal. How do you like it? 
grade it since you're not being allowed to grade on your own website. Grade it immediately. Oh, no, I was not ready right. for that one. Nelson you Aguilar. All right, no, I got you. I got you. I got a grade. I got a grade. I'm going to give you a grade. I'm going to go B plus. Okay. I he like proved it. He could I like be, it too. He, he proved he could be a deep threat last year. I think he's going to come cheap. I I know he has problems with drops, but they needed someone that could stretch the field, and I think they already got their little route runner, red zone target, and Kendrick Bourne. Johnny Smith's going to help. I still like Jacoby Myers a lot. I thought he was the best receiver on that team last year, which isn't saying much, but he looks like an NFL player. Even Demir Bird, I think, was a good player for them. Like the receiving core is starting to come together. They might never have that alpha number one receiver, but I don't think they need him. Yeah, I mean, they have a number, well, uh, like between Smith as a pass catching option, Aguilar and Myers, that's a bunch of number twos, you know? And uh, I, I like Kendrick Bourne as well. But um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 Nelson Aguilar immediately gets more separation than any New England receiver of the last <laughs> few years. Like, it, it's, yeah, okay. All right. I like it. I'm into it. Good Wait, job, New England. Hold up. I mean, what, what hold up. Uh-oh. I totally forgot that Julian Edelman still existed. And you uh, seem to have forgot he existed. Or does he? I don't know. But he had that big I, game against Seattle. I just assume he's going to go like play for the Bucks for like $10. And while we're there, uh, that brings us to the another team that was active today. So we got questions from Tom Dankinson. Are Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, and Jackie Davidson actual Wizards? So the Bucks announced that they had signed... Shaq Barrett. So, like, before all this kicked off, we did a bunch of segments on our show, like, can the Bucks keep everyone? And I kept saying no, um, because Shaq Barrett was saying, I'm going to go break the bank and stuff. And I believed him, and I took him at his word. And he did not, in fact, break the bank. He got paid a ton of money, but uh, it's $68 million, $17 million a year with incentives that go up to eighteen. Which is, it's fine. And look, like, again, like, we're talking about the difference between 18 and, like, 21, right? Like, stay with your Super Bowl winning team where you're happy. Um, but I did not think they would be able to fit him. I also, Levante David, two years, but really a three-year deal. So it's a $3.5 million cap hit this year. Again, very team-friendly contract. The only one who didn't sign a team-friendly contract was Chris Godwin, who they tagged. So clearly they had a very good sense, I think, of their own player's what they wanted, what was available to them in the market in the case of Godwin. And they kept everyone. Now that doesn't guarantee that they're going to get back. I mean, and by the way, it's premature to see, Hey, they kept everyone. I imagine they're going to lose Sue and Gronk is uttering some things about dipping his toe into free agency, but I don't believe that's true. Um, But like, how are we overrating the job that Jason liked it? Or like, how do you rate what the bucks did in free agency? I'm overrating it because I think it's so much easier to be an NFL GM when you're just worried about the short term. Like there is no reason to care beyond Tom Brady's contract. And we don't know when he's going to, you know, finally retire, but you're just building for two years. You already have all this veteran talent on your team. I mean, the cap wizardry stuff is always impressive, but like every team in the NFL does it. It's just the Bucks are a high profile team, so they get more celebrated. But no, because I think in two years, we're all going to be like, Holy crap, what's up with the Bucks cap situation? They have no good players anymore and we don't know what they're going to do. But for now, it's just like we Yeah, I mean I think like good defenses regress, we always say that, but I think 
the Bucks' offense improved so much at the end of the season and then into the postseason that I kind of think they're going to get a bounce just from knowing what it should look like. Um, mm-hmm. That's it. You know, if, if they let if they lose Gronk again, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, that is a hole for them. I think that, like, I guess they need a pass catching running back. I mean, they're probably going to let Fournette go. Like, there's they're really this is the good on paper team. Like, there's not holes. The fact that they managed to keep Barrett and David, um, and they've got a young secondary is really impressive. They don't like now they can just go for best player available in the draft depth. Um, yeah, it's, it's a win. You're right. It's it, clearly everybody wanted to be there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a coup. I mean, so by the way, I was saying earlier, I was talking about, uh, Barrett's contract at 17 earlier. We talked about Judon at 14, uh, unique and Gakway came in at just two years, $26 million for the Raiders. That's cheap. That's really cheap. I was expecting a classic Raiders overpay, so I'm kind of impressed that they didn't fall for that trap. But I think it just shows that teams want more than pure pass rush out of their defensive ends if they're going to pay them like that. They don't want to overpay for situational players. And I kind of agree with that approach just because we've seen in the past teams have been able to find cheap veteran sacks in free agency. And I... I see no reason to overpay on day one, at least. Cheap veteran sacks is just a phrase that's been sitting <laughs> with me for a while. Um, yeah, I, I, I think like, gosh, if these players are coming in in the mid fifteens and such, like, there's going to be some bargains to be had for edge rushers. Um, in that sort of, I mean, Romeo Quara also signed today, but like. How much is Justin Houston going to cost? Like that to me, if I'm like a team, I'm looking at Justin Houston or even like your real cheap options, like maybe Hassan Reddick, Kerry Hyder, uh, Vernon. Like there's that next tier that I think capped out teams can really probably find some bargains there. Um, looking at you, Seattle. All right. Next question. Ned the Bull. Can the Chiefs fill either one of their offensive tackle positions in free agency? Well, Ned... The Chiefs decided to not address tackle and instead focus on guard. Uh, the deal, five years, $80 million for Joe Tooney, now the top paid guard in the NFL per Adam Schefter. Um, Joe Tooney, solid, also really healthy. I did not know this, but he has not missed a game since coming into the league in 2016. I learned that t- today. Um yeah, I uh very good run blocker. Um, you can play him across the line, like not at tackle, but at the interior of the line. Were you surprised that that Kansas City went for the elite guard and not there really aren't elite tackles outside of Trent Williams, who I think is out of their price range? But do you think like they could have used that money and cobbled together a combination or tried for some depth? Not really, just because I'm looking at the tackle class and like the best guys are the guy. It's the guys they cut. So maybe if they can bring one of those guys back for cheaper, but I doubt that's going to happen. So I'm not mad at them focusing on guard just because with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he's so good in the pocket that if you just give him that solid pocket, it doesn't matter whether the tackles are giving up edge rushers. He's going to step up in it. He's going to find a platform to throw. 
he gets into his trouble when he doesn't have anywhere to step up. And then that's when he has to back out of the pocket and turn into what we saw in the Super Bowl. So I'm not mad that they're they're missing out on tackles this year. They can draft tackles. That's where you want to find your tackles. You want to draft them. You don't want to overpay for them in free agency, as we've seen multiple times over the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, and certainly this year, because by all accounts, this is like an extremely tackle-rich class. So I know they, they think um, the third rounder from TCU, Lucas Niang, I believe is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. They like him as a, t- as a starting tackle next year, I think on the right side. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is coming back <laughs> uh, at guard. So now that they've got Tooney at the opposite guard, like that's, you know, three out of five locked up. Um, I think at this point, it's going to be a combination of maybe like another draft pick and then maybe another veteran. But and there's guys like, you know, Wiley, like who a writer who they could try to bring back. Um, It's not really like a rich, you know, there's not like a ton of options for everyone. And I think there's gonna be a lot of guys signing one year deals, So they might get someone to agree to that and for the chance to go after Irving again. But yeah, it's a lot of money for a guard, but. I mean, the Chiefs are so interesting, Steven. Like, they're so top-heavy now. Like, wow. I mean, they've got top-paid guys at so many positions. And I know they, I think Jones, uh, Mahomes, and maybe Frank Clark, too, or one other player all restructured to make room for this. Uh, and I get it. Like, you have Patrick Mahomes. Like, go go, go wild. This is it for you. Feel the pain later. Um, it makes it's, sense. It's at it's at some positions that don't typically get those higher salaries, like safety with Tyron Matthew. Yeah. I think he's the highest paid safety in the league. Tight end with Kelsey. Even defensive tackle with Chris Jones. He's getting paid a lot of money. But you have Patrick Mahomes, so who cares? Like Chiefs fans are probably freaking out right now because they don't have tackles. But this is what happens when you have a quarterback making half a billion dollars. Like you got to skimp on some other positions, but it's not going to matter because you have Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs fans might be freaking out, but they're not freaking out as bad as Seahawks fans watching uh, not just uh, Tooney go off the board, but also Corey Lindsley, All-Pro Center from uh, Green Bay, who signed a five-year, $62.5 million deal with the Chargers, who finally decided we are going to fix our off... Well, not really finally. They've tried, sort of. But uh, how do you like this for L.A.? with their rookie quarterback on his rookie deal is, and and like, also I want to kind of spin off there. Like, do you think green Bay is really going to feel this loss after spending on their running back? Ooh, that's a good question. I didn't consider the Packers part, but it's a lot of money for Lindsley. I don't know if he's that good, but I understand why they did it. And he is a good pass protector. I, you pay centers for both run blocking and be able to call protections and pick up stunts and stuff. And he could do that second part. He could, He's a good pass blocker. I don't think he's going to uh, change the run game, but we don't we don't care about the run game here. So, yes, he's protecting Justin Herbert. He's protecting the middle of the pocket so he could step up and be a tall quarterback like he is. So I think it really helps, and it really fits with what they're doing on offense, especially with that quarterback. As for the Packers, I don't know. Just because that run game... I think it's foolproof. Like It's going to be good no matter what. Like We've seen throughout recent history of the NFL the last 20 years whoever's put that run game in they've had a productive run game I do think it might be a concern 
in the passing game because Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be this mobile quarterback for that much longer. So I think you're going to need a more solid pocket for him. And that interior is where quarterbacks get in trouble, especially those older quarterbacks who need that pocket to read defenses. So that's the one area where I think it might hurt, but I think they'll be fine. Oh, I, yeah, I was talking about the Chargers and sort of some of the problems they've had in their offensive line. I forgot, as I was just thinking about you talking about Green Bay, they signed Brian Bulaga last year also from Green Bay. Um, so I guess if you're like plan to fix the offensive line, it's just take every former Green Bay offensive line and you'll be worse. <laughs> um yeah, I don't really have like a lot of thoughts on the Aaron Jones deal right now. We don't have any p- questions about Green Bay. Like, it's financially fine. It's really, you know what I mean? It's basically a little bit more than the cost of franchising him twice. As far as these deals go, you could do a lot worse. I think it only looks really bad when you look at it holistically along with the draft pick from last year. Um but like if the goal right now is to maximize Aaron Rodgers' career, and I'm sure it's something that Aaron Rodgers wanted them to do, um, it makes sense in a vacuum. Yeah, it's another one of those moves where, yeah, they probably paid a little too much for a running back, but he's it's not going to be so years. obvious where it's... Yeah, it's not going to be obvious where it's an issue like it was for the Rams with Gurley. Because Gurley was dealing with a knee injury. Like he was... I think Gurley was like 25, but like in football years, he was like 35 already. And we could tell that deal was going to be a disaster. I think this one will get two more good years out of Jones. All right. Let's take a quick break and then get to some more questions about free agency. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This one comes from a name you might know. At Four Verts 
says, ask Steven what he thinks about the Panthers panicking about quarterback and somehow being surprised that Teddy Bridgewater is just okay and that it's kind of funny that they're pressed this much in year two of a seven-year head coaching contract and also ask Steven if he's okay. Steven, first, can you recap what the Panthers have done so far in free agency? They signed two veteran offensive linemen, as we all expected. It wasn't for big money, but I'm just so confused where this team, what this team's timeline is. Like they got rid of Marty Herney, who was the GM, a holdover GM from the last regime. And there was this awkward offseason, half rebuild, half loading up for a playoff run for some reason approach. And I think I was on this podcast and I made the analogy. It's like two people sharing a Netflix account where like one guy's into World War II documentaries and another guy's into like baking shows, which I don't know, one person could be interested in both those things. But now there's only one person running the Netflix account and it's the same situation. Like that we have found that person who's into baking shows and World War II accounts and apparently our documentaries. Apparently it's Matt Rule. I don't know what's going on. It's like Chuck says, it's year two of a seven-year head coaching contract. Why aren't they just blowing this all up and starting over from scratch? That's what Matt Rule was brought in to do. Instead, he's signing Pat Elfline, who's on his third team. He's been bad everywhere he's been, and they're giving him $13 million. Like, it's not a bad bank-breaking deal, but why? Like, every every move they've made so far, my question has been why, and I just know this all points to them drafting Mac Jones. And I'm going to move into the woods if that happens. I'm going to stop watching the NFL football. Remember when the um, Panthers signed, was it Matt or Ryan Khalil? It was Matt Khalil because Ryan Khalil was his, it was already on the team or something. Or was it the reverse? I can't remember. It was like no, it was Matt Khalil. Khalil. Yeah, that was puzzling. Ryan was the good one. And here's yeah. the thing. like, Here's the thing about a, being a Panthers fan. Dave Gettleman is the best GM we've had in the last 20 years. <laughs> just let that sink in. We're going to get to the Giants in a second, um, speaking of Gettleman. But I, I guess just my question about the Panthers is this. Um, they have made no secret of the fact that they want a quarterback other than Teddy Bridgewater to be their quarterback. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting because last year they finished 17th in offensive DVOA, 24th in defense. But I think everybody thought the defense overperformed and the offense underperformed, right? Because the defense was so young. Um, their expectations were really, really low for that unit. Whereas, and then you had like, you've got young guys like Brian Burns really emerging and Jeremy Chin looking good in year one. There's still some holes at linebacker in the secondary in particular. But the offense, I think, um, the impression I think a lot of people got is this, this is an offense that could be a lot better and the quarterback is holding them back. I guess, do you agree with that? And if you were to fix them, like who would you, how would you address the quarterback position this year? I mean, the easiest answer is just trade whatever you have to for Deshaun Watson. I think he solves all of your problems as a team, but if that's not the route you want to take, I'm, I think they should hope for Trey Lance to fall to them. And if that doesn't happen, trade. Yeah, at eight. And then if that doesn't happen, trade back. Maybe Mac Jones will still be there when you trade back and have fun drafting him. But at, at least build up your picks. I just want to know by the end of this offseason where this team is headed over the next two or three years. I want to know who they view as the quarterback, how they're going to build this team through offense or defense. Right now, it's hard to say they used all their draft picks on defense a year ago, but then they signed 
some veteran offensive guys like Robbie Anderson, Russell Okun, I think they traded for, and then I think they gave him a new deal. It didn't make any sense at the time. They paid him in Bitcoin, <laughs> which seems fitting. But yeah, I just want a direction. Give me a direction. Like Seahawks fans are complaining because their franchise quarterback is upset. At least they have a franchise quarterback to get upset. The Panthers don't have anything resembling that. And it's it's depressing. I don't yeah. like this. I don't like being a Panthers fan. Yeah. I mean, but if they did take Lance at eight, would you suddenly be very pumped and excited for the future? Oh, yeah. I think Lance is arguably the most talented quarterback in this class and i'm using that voice where i'm trying to you know add some doubt to it but while i think through the take but how can you watch what happened with josh allen and not think another team could do that with trey lance who i think is a better thrower in college he's he is, he's a better he was, thrower, yeah and the film we're watching is him as a 19 year old and i'm right. not counting the game last year it was i don't think it was that good but i don't count it was a weird exhibition against you know, even in that know. game, though, like he's terrible in the game throwing the ball, but running the ball, I think I tweeted this. He looks like young Cam Newton, just like trucking, trucking small school defender. I can't remember who the game was. Against. Arkansas State Valley C- or whatever. Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas. Close enough. I mean, they were falling off of him like toddlers. Um, and, and then when you watch the 2019 tape, it's there as well. Uh, and he's a better thrower. He's, he, he looked more accurate than Allen did as a college prospect to me. Um, I think he looks better than Wentz did, who wasn't as polarizing a prospect as Josh Allen was, if you want a better comparison. Like, he did real quarterback things in that offense, and he looked competent doing them as a 19-year-old. Okay, we got another another breaking news report. The Rams are giving linebacker Leonard Floyd a four-year, $64 million deal. What? How? No, they're not. How did they, wait, where where is oh tight uh to the shock of no one, tight end Rob Gronkowski is returning to the Bucks on a one year deal worth ten million dollars. Okay, back to Leonard Floyd. How? Is that like an NBA top shot contract? Like he gets a, a, a gif of a contract that's worth like how can they afford oh, this money? How can they yeah? Is it like one of those it's maybe the the void I don't know. I don't see I mean, I guess we'll wait for the numbers to come out. Do you did you like I mean, Leonard Floyd had the annual I benefit from playing next to Aaron Donald inflating my value effect, but uh, did you like him? I mean, what do, you, what, what do you think about this for Los Angeles? I'm really putting you on the spot with these instant reactions, and I'm in the great position of hosting where I get to process my own thoughts while you have to answer immediately. Um, like yeah. on the heels of you announcing the Ngakwe deal, this one doesn't make any sense to me unless there yeah. are voidable deals right what is the biggest grift ever like i'm pretty sure mickey loomis made that up and slipped it in the rule book while no one was looking because he knew he was going to have to do this but that's the only explanation i don't know how they have money where do they keep getting this money from the rams are low-key the saints of the west where they just keep adding guys even though the salary cap shouldn't allow them to do it um four year $64 million. How much is that per year? <laughs> that's like, oh, uh, that's, that's some, that's some tough math. Uh, uh, I think it's, what is it? 16, 16 a year. That's, I mean, Leonard Floyd more than like that much more than unique and Gakwe. I... No, like 
it's like the Rams real saw what they did last year, where they signed these cheaper veterans. They found a guy like Leonard uh, Floyd. There's those cheap veteran sacks. That same term, I'm breaking out again. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Oh, we don't need to do that again. Let's just sign Leonard Floyd to a bunch of money." I guess again, like I feel like you could, I don't know, put like a bag of ruffles next to Aaron Donald, and it would get some of those cheap old sacks you keep talking about. I, I all right. I mean, well, <laughs> interestingly enough, um, it's been reported that the Giants were also in the mix for Floyd. Uh, next question comes from Anastasia Anastasia 026. Hope I said your name right. What can the Giants potentially add in free agency? What did you think of them cutting Zeitler? So the, the Giants, like last year, I, I'm I'm like, where did all their money go? Because just last year, I remembered them having a ton of cap space and talking about like, wow, the New York teams can really go big. And now they have no money. I mean, they cut Zeitler, so they have some money. Um, I think the Zeitler cut. So, you know, they franchise tagged Leonard Williams who earned that entire tag sacking Russell Wilson 500 times. Um, no, he's, he's good. Actually. I really like, I like him, but you know, offensive line has been the problem with New York. So I think it goes to say that cutting your best offensive lineman is troubling. Uh, they did it for financial reasons. Like, how do you feel about that move and where does that leave them? Like, well, how, what, what can they do? I I don't, if I was a Giants fan, I don't think I'd want them to do anything. I'd want Dave Gettleman to have less control. I, I actually wrote down here. I think it's a good thing that Gettleman's hands are tied in free agency. Otherwise he would do something dove, like give, Nate Solder, a huge deal that made him the highest paid tackle. They actually, I think they restructured that deal this yes, year, just two years later. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they're so getting how- him back at right tackle. They've got Andrew Thomas, who looks a little bit better as the year went on on the left. They have side. Will Hernandez. Yeah. So um, they poured a lot of resources into this offensive line. And the thing about Gettleman is, even if you subscribe to all his theories about the league, about how you build from the inside out, He's been terrible at building from the inside out. The offensive line is still a major work in progress after they they traded for Zeitler. They used a day two pick on Hernandez. They used a day one pick on Andrew Thomas. They signed Solder to one of the biggest deals ever for a left tackle. And they're still in scramble mode trying to figure this thing out. And this is supposed to be Gettleman's expertise, the hog mollies. That's what he's always talking about. So if I'm a Giants fan, I'm hoping they don't spend any money in free agency. Yeah. And they just chalk this year up as a loss and hire a new GM next year. It's a shame because, I mean, Gettleman, you're right, he has not had success with that side of the football. But, like, Dexter Lawrence is a good player. We can quibble about where Mm. he was taken in the draft. Leonard Williams really flourished upon coming to New York. And, again, they seem to be interested in keeping him. He's a a good interior pass rusher. He's very versatile. But they don't have edge rush. And, I, I like, if they had money, that would be where I would spend it if I was New York. Um, on this defense, like they stumbled across a real gem. I mean, James Bradbury comes and has the best season of his career. I mean, we talked a lot in this podcast about Patrick Graham and the work he did with that defense, but um, there's that's still a big question mark on this team. Like outside of Leonard Williams, who is rushing the passer? You know, um, right. it, all the names problem. I have, all the names I have written down are the, like those last ditch free yeah. agent signings. Like I have. Alden Smith on here. 
Richie Incognito, which is a name I would not want to be associated associated with if I was a football team. I thought Jason Verrett would have been a great signing for them, but he re-signed with the 49ers. Just cheap veterans. And I will say this about Gettleman. When he was the GM for the Panthers, he did help turn that that team from a middle-of-the-pack playoff team to a team that almost won a Super Bowl by signing cheap veteran free agents. So I will give him that. This is the position you kind of want Gettleman to be in. Maybe he makes a couple smart moves and the NFC East is bad again. They could go nine and seven next year. Back against the wall. Um, it's a tough spot for Daniel Jones. Because again, that's another thing is they could have done is gotten a wide receiver. They, they, we're, they're drafting like ninth, I want to say. Some Giants top 10, I believe. Anyways, yeah, they, could, top 10. they could go after a wide receiver. Oh, 11. I forgot that. I always forget that Stanzik's a Giants fan. Um, so they could go after for sure a receiver there, or if somehow Kyle Pitts falls to them, that would be the the perfect pick, I think. Well, Ingram is he? He's not a contractor. Anyways, um, I would still take Kyle Pitts. Uh, have they been linked right. to Micah Parsons at all? That's another one I could see people pushing for them. In any case, um. Yeah, it's uh they need edge rush and they don't have money, but and the offensive lineman has some questions, so offensive line. Um okay, next question. Proud Wolves fan asks, are there any specific moves the Vikings can make, assuming they restructure bar, which they did, that will help them compete with the Packers next year in the division? Oh, honey. Um <laughs> no. You want you want me to read off what I said verbatim? I wrote no. Oh God, no. Why would they even try? Um, mm, what would it take? They don't have money. They're picking they don't have an offensive draft. line. Okay, so what okay, yeah. So offensive line is that's really actually on, on offense the only Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you know I mean, United has some wide receiver depth and whatever, but you know, across the board. But I think I imagine they're going to go offensive line in the draft. They cut Riley Rafe. Um, I guess they're probably going to Rafe, Rafe. I was down. They're probably going to move um, Ezra Cleveland out to tackle. So the interior offensive line, Garrett Bradbury has been kind of up and down. Um, they're picking 14th, which feels a little bit rich for an interior offensive lineman in this draft. So I could see them trading down and trying to bolster bolster that i mean so an offense offensive line defense uh did you see daniel hunter wants to be traded so that's not great <laughs> that was like the one thing you can hang your hat on him and the linebackers like even the safeties anthony harris is probably gone harrison smith i think he's still a good player but he's getting paid a lot and i don't know if he fits with their timeline and then their cornerbacks it's just like a, a bunch of young guys who you're hoping hit so i wrote this a couple weeks ago you don't really want to see them be active in free agency. And I don't know about their draft capital. I know they traded for a bunch of guys, but I think are traded for a bunch of picks, but I think they're mostly day three picks. So it's really going to be in-house improvement and training camp hype that you, that you get excited about if you're a Vikings fan, but I just don't see it. I think this is another situation where you just ride out this year, ride out Kirk Cousins deal and just hope to rebuild. Cause there's no quick fix, and that's the problem. Yeah, it looks like they can move on from Cousins after this year um, at a relatively 
low cost dead cap in 2022 they could save 35 million dollars that's gonna be tempting um and to me it is all about timeline as you said like you know, if you're you've got this really young secondary, you've got some nice young talent at wide receiver, and obviously you just signed Delvin Cook. But do you even want to make moves that would suggest you're trying to compete this year? If you're Minnesota, I think you're you're trying to get the best players available. So like maybe you do draft, um, not necessarily for need, um. And especially if Daniil Hunter wants out, like maybe you consider that trade and try to start the rebuilding process. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. Um, Messi Elliott asks, which current free agent would be the best Jeopardy contestant? That's an easy one. Uh, Richard Sherman. Right. I, oh, that was your pick. I thought we were going to the same spot. I'm going Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, absolutely. Right. Richard Sherman. No question. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, you got to You got to argue that one. First, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he would try to be funny and stuff and like be like a ham. Richard Sherman would be locked <laughs> in. He'd probably like study for it. Um hold up, hold up. Don't don't box Ryan Fitzpatrick's comedy into that just because people turned him into a meme. He's a legitimately funny guy. Have you he ever seen He does, he does. He leans into it. I will admit that. But this isn't a Gardner Minshew trying too hard situation. Look up Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance at the Fred Jackson Roast. It's amazing. He's a hilarious guy. Yeah, Um, that's a deep cut. It's pretty pretty, problematic, too. He's controversial with his jokes. (laughs) You didn't expect that, did you? Wow. Wow. You didn't come. Ryan Fitzpatrick. All I'm saying oh, is wow. I'm putting this back on the radar. He might get canceled Ooh, because of me. Save that save that for when Chicago signs him to a two year twenty five <laughs> million dollar deal or whatever. Um by the way, speaking of uh Richard Sherman, so he's like the like this is such a bad free agent class for cornerbacks. Um as good as it is for like wide receivers and edge rushers, there's like three good cornerbacks available. The, Honestly, the Niners keeping Brett was really smart. Uh, they kept Mosley as well. So, but Richard Sherman is like said, I'm out in San Francisco. And I, I, I'd be curious. Everyone keeps linking him to the Jets for obvious reasons, Robert Sala, whatever, but, and they have money. But like, I did like, doesn't he want to win now? I can't tell. I guess it really just comes down to like what his priorities are. Um, I'm, <laughs> I don't see how he doesn't end up on the Raiders. I think he he can be convinced that that team isn't that far off from winning and that he could be a missing piece in the locker room. I'm convinced that they can make that pitch to him. And I don't think he would mind going staying in California. Well, the Raiders are in Las Vegas, so he would have to leave California. Oh, I keep messing that up. <laughs> but uh, the- it's close. It's close. <laughs> I forgot they moved to Las Vegas. I'm sorry. Vegas is even um, better than Oakland. Um, okay, now I'm going to entertain this question. I said I would only take one question about this. Hen Ribbit asks, what is the best team fit for Russell Wilson in a trade? Um, that's actually, I mean, that's actually not a right good way into it. I don't know why I chose that one. Let me, okay, someone else asked this, and I'm going to, no offense to you, Hen Ribbit. Someone else asked, is there anything Chicago could do? And so we're ruling out three team trades. Is there any package if you're Seattle 
that you think it's worth it. So I'm like, no, I've said no. I've said, I've tweeted this. Anything other than Deshaun Watson or a top three pick is lunacy for the Seahawks. And it's honestly, all this is lunacy to begin with because of the dead cap money. But you are unbiased, Stephen. So you answer, is there anything Chicago could do that would make this reasonable for Seattle? If anything, I'm biased against Russell Wilson, but I'd still say no. I'm right there with you. You can only trade first round picks so far into the future. And that's the only way that they would be able to put together a trade package that makes sense. Like a billion first round picks. You're you're probably not drafting a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson in the next couple of years. No, I'm not doing that. It better be Deshaun Watson. It better be like, I don't even know if I would consider the Jets offering number two up. If it's not Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson, I'm not interested if I'm the Seahawks. I'm keeping Russell Wilson, even if he doesn't play. Some of the trades that my colleagues have been putting out are so offensive. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What's the worst trade you've seen? I've seen some bad ones for Deshaun Watson. Uh... Barwell put out some, but he I, he wasn't saying they were good trades for Seattle. He just like had to put out some. And there was one involving the Seahawks getting Derek Carr that made me text him <laughs> immediately. I'm going to kill you. Um, today, Orlovsky had uh, the New York, the Jets sending Seattle Sam Darnold and three first rounders, but not the number two pick. That is anytime you can go from a top five Hall of Fame quarterback to one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL from the last four years, you got to do it. Okay. <laughs> I seem, I feel like we've moved on from that as a society. Free agent has finally distracted. The shiny ball that is free agency has distracted us from Russell Wilson takes. So I'm relieved of that momentarily. All right, let's take a quick break. One more break and then get back to our last batch of questions. So this is a team that I've been wanting to talk about. Question comes from at one Mike AM. What free agency moves should the Washington football team make this offseason? So Washington has decent amount of money. Um, they won the division last year. <laughs> uh, real thing that happened. I'm still processing it. Um, let's start a quarterback. They signed Taylor Heineke already. The the Bucks killer to and he wasn't a killer, but he's played he played the Bucks in the, down the stretch better than any other quarterback. They signed him a the two Bucks year killer extension. zero and one against the Bucks. <laughs> a two year extension, just over four million dollars. Um, they had last I checked thirty eight million dollars in cap space, and they didn't do anything today. They have needs on offense. They're pretty solid defense, although we can talk about that. But at offense, um, they did. Franchise tag, Brandon Scherf. Big question mark at left tackle. Really, they should sign Trent Williams, but he's gone. <laughs> um, you can I don't, what happened I don't, there. I don't think they're repairing that relationship. I love it when a team's biggest need is a team that like angrily left them, and you're just like, well. Um, but anyways, quarterback, wide receiver, left tackle, all needs on this team. What do you do? All right, I got two names for you. I know oh. one you like. Oh, boy. John Brown. Great. Love it. Perfect fit for that offense because McLaren can win it all over the field. Take some pressure off him to be the deep threat because they don't have that outside of him. I think that helps the offense. On defense, I want them to sign William Jackson. I think he could be a James Bradbury type influence for that team. They need a cornerback. I think they're pretty set at safety. Obviously, the defensive line is just destroys everyone they come up against. Yeah. 
They need some cornerbacks. And I think William Jackson is a guy who I don't think you're going to have to overpay for him. And I think he fits in well with any scheme you want to run. And it's so hard to find good corners in the draft that just pay one that you know has been good on the NFL level. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Jackson's kind of been up and down in Cincinnati, but was decent last year. Um, And you're right, they are pretty set at safety. I think it's actually an interesting question there because Cameron Curl came out of nowhere. I think he was seventh round or something. And he sort of, um, what's the word when you're, um, you do the same thing as someone else, redundant (laughs) with, um, with, been a long day, folks, with uh, Landon Collins. So I'll be curious to see how they use them um but i could see them spending on corner spending mid-range wide receiver and then drafting a left tackle of the future they're you know picking kind of in that in 20s 18 or 20s so you know again in this this is a really good left tackle draft but again that leaves quarterback do you get in the Jameis Winston sweepstakes if there's such a thing exists? Do you go after Ryan Fitzpatrick or do one of the other things we've discussed? Oh, uh, I would. I'm never against signing Jameis, so I can't turn. I can't turn down that possibility. But I think I'd rather have a Ryan Fitzpatrick type with this team. I don't they're think pretty sim- they're pretty similar. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. That's a pretty good point. They're different in key areas, but uh. I yeah, I'd want a shorter timeline just because I don't think the defensive line is going to be great forever. They're they're going to have a hard time keeping that team together, keeping that defense together. So try to capitalize on the short window. I really would have liked for them to try to get on in on Cam. I don't know if that was realistic, but I thought that would have been a perfect match for what they're doing on offense with that coaching staff. It's familiar with Cam, obviously, but now. For me, it's really hard to find another option that you are confident is going to be able to play from day one because they're not really in range to draft a quarterback unless they they trade up, obviously. So, yeah, it's Fitz or Jameis for me, and I would, I'd probably lean towards Fitz just because I think he's going to be cheaper. Yeah, I think so. Well, man, like I, I don't see how the Saints can keep Jameis for more for $10 million or more given their cap situation. But like, is any team going to give him that? You know, I mean, if I'm Jameis, well, and this actually brings us to the next question, which is from BH social. Are the saints going to be okay? Be kind. I am fragile. Um, Like I understand why the saints would say, okay, we want Jameis to play another year, but like, should Jameis like, he can definitely get more money somewhere else. But there is a case to be made that he could do a one-year deal in New Orleans where he actually gets to start and sort of use it as an addition to leverage that into like a bigger deal. Um, That said, like even like a two-year, $24 million deal versus seven or eight with the Saints, like you can't really say no to the guaranteed money. No, but I do think he would have a better opportunity than, say, Cam did last year. And Cam still ended – I know, like, a lot of it is fake, but he still got $14 million after have, leading the worst passing offense in the league. At least Jameis is with Sean Payton. And they have yes. Michael Thomas. They have Alvin Kamara. They're going to be productive on offense. Yeah, he's going to look better than he probably actually is. So I yeah. think he won't have a hard time getting paid. That would be my one thing, my one pitch for him staying. I – 
I don't know though. I I'm I'm trying to think of what I would think of Washington if they did sign Jameis and. I'd probably pick them to win the NFC East, to be honest with you. I could probably convince myself over the next couple of months. Jameis and Daniel Jones in the same division is oh. glorious. And somehow get Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, too. And just the NFC East just going full YOLO I, it would be spectacular. And Jameis and, and Daniel Jones play have played before. I think Daniel Jones' first start was against Jameis, and they both like went off. So oh, maybe yeah, that, those was, two, that was a really crazy game. <laughs> maybe those two being in the same building kind of like empowers yeah. them and they become what it. they're supposed to become yeah bring I, out I the, they bring out the best of each other um listen i just would rather watch that than what we had to watch on washington and like just 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 be fun hey, be exciting hey that's the comeback player of the year you're talking about um are we are we disrespecting taylor heineke the, the box killer <laughs> they gotta give him a shot right after that jeez louise I, those were legit throws those were legit throws it wasn't like that- nick yeah. It wasn't Nick Mullins coming in and Kyle Shanahan his way to a productive season. That was those were legit throws against when good he, defense. When he dove for the end zone, like uh, I hit the pylon, I think like 15 minutes before he was milkshake ducked. I was like ready to join the Heine Hive. <laughs> um, I don't think Taylor Heineke ever got one of these, but uh, Trichet's Falcons asks, please rank free agents by Fox cartoon quality. I don't want you to do them all. I don't know what kind of prep you did, and I'm sorry if you did them all. Um, <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Please. I got a couple notables. Okay. I'm going to say this. It's a it's a poor, it's not a good free agency class, and it's an even worse Fox cartoon free agency class. <laughs> Chris Godwin <laughs> Chris Godwin was by far the number one, but he got tagged, took him off the, the market. I'm going to go with Fitz, but that's cheating just because he has the beard. Like, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick's cartoon is going to look fun. Now, Andy Dalton has a special Fox cartoon. It's one of the most unique ones. I, he almost looks, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to mention this guy anymore. It, he almost looks like a Dr. Seuss char- uh, character. Like there's something about his look and his face that it's Seussian. I don't even know if that's a word. But um, I think, I'm I think gonna... it's okay as long as he's not one of the bad Seuss characters because there's most of them are fine. But Andy Dalton... I think would complain about his Dr. C's rendition. Wow. But Grok, Grok is the best, I think. And only because he was yeah. one of only three, two, uh, two or three players who got two cartoons. He got two cartoons um, and neither one looks at, looks at anything, anything like him. So the Patriots deals came out. I, I missed this. Algalar's Aguilar is two years, 26 million at the same as Ngakwe, which is crazy. And then Kendrick Bourne was three years, 22. They are really spending a lot of money. Like, good grief. Um, <sighs> those those aren't good deals. <laughs> those are not good. Yeah. Like, I, uh, I mean, Johnny Smith is like a premium for a young player who's has the potential to become one of the best of the position. Matthew Judon, as I said, is a deal they can get out of after two years, $14 million. But like, that much for those wide receivers? I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I'm just going to come out and say it. those aren't good deals. I don't Not care how they end up in New England. Grade them. You're, this is like the you're, wh- who are you outbidding for Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills? Like, why is the price so high? It's so weird. It's like I don't know. I mean, 
again, to go back to like new Bill Belichick, uh, I don't know. I mean, the kind of meme on Twitter is like, oh, he saw the Super Bowl, he's pissed, he wants to win or whatever. But like, it's not how you win. I mean, shoot, I don't know. Do we think Belichick actually cares? <laughs> so you, oh, about the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. I don't know. He didn't. There's so, a non-zero chance he didn't watch it. He also didn't look that angry to me during the season, but he was also wearing five masks, so maybe his anger <laughs> was sh- shrouded. <laughs> I'm gonna miss those. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think more than that, Stephen Bill Belichick, his own personal timeline perhaps might be factoring into this. Throw that out here. Um, not saying he's gonna die. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna live. <laughs> but, oh God. Um, he's, He's getting a little, you know, older. Those <laughs> no one, no one else's <laughs> mind went there, Mina. Everyone else thought you meant career. No one else's mind went there. You know, old veteran sacks, they don't last long. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, last question from Yoohoo 1231 I thought this was just kind of a fun one from, for, as like an intellectual exercise. If your life depended on it, you have to draft a pro bowler. Which position group gives you the best chance? Now, was this this year in particular? No, just generally. Just general? I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm taking quarterback. And here's my argument. Mitch Trubisky made a Pro Bowl. See, I have the op- – quarterback's good, but I think it's running back because if you take a running back in the first round, he's probably going to make a Pro Bowl because everyone's going to think he's good. That's a way better pick. Yeah, God, my pick is terrible. I'm taking, but if it was just based on this year, I'm, I'm taking Kyle Pitts because Evan Ingram just made the Pro Bowl and had like 400 yards receiving. So I'm taking Pitts. What is the hardest? Yeah, right. He's, whew, he's ridiculous. What is the? I gotta stop making those sounds when I talk about Kyle Pitts. I get at a certain point, it's gonna start coming across weird. What is the hardest position to draft? I'm sure there's been studies done on this. I saw PF Beth has like a study where they show like in the first round most likely to hit right. Obviously, yeah. Um, quarterback, wide receiver, whatever. But I think corner probably is hard to draft. I was going to say corner. Corner, mm-hmm. maybe even safety. I don't know. Yeah, but safety. cornerbacks, I've been watching the corners recently, and it just it looks nothing like an NFL game when you're yeah. watching a college passing game. It just looks totally. nothing like it, so you don't know. And like those refs at the college level just don't care. It's like the opposite of – the NFL refs, you call a billion defensive holding calls so, per game. Like, I take it you've been watching J.C. Yep. Horn. <laughs> yes, thank you. That was the name that was just blinking in my mind right now. But yes, that's uh, the guy I was thinking of when I when I made that comment. I do like him, um, but he is he is going full wrestler out there. All right. As always, wrapping with a few questions for our guests. Dinks and Dunks is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Download the DraftKings app today and use code MINA to get in on all of the action. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Steven, question one. Last year we had the draft remotely and we got to see all of the coaches' like houses and such. I don't know this year if they're going to do something similar or what the plan is, the drafts in Cleveland. But my question to you is, if you were a coach or GM, what would your draft setup be? Okay, so there's two extremes. You either have the cliff bachelor pad set up or you have who was who was it was it uh the Bengals coach who was yes. in like a motel six 
It, no, it was his All own right. house, I think. But he had like a sad like Bengals backdrop, and they the instead of like only showing that, the camera showed the whole backdrop in the wall, so you could see the whole. Anyways, yeah. Are you are you Zach Taylor's real estate agent or something? You're very defensive of his setup. No, I just made uh, it sad. As somebody who's had to do TV from home, I was sympathetic to the sadness of his backdrop. I just assume that's the best you could do in Cincinnati. But uh, I would I would do the cliff thing. I would you go all yeah, out. I would show out. I would show out. But I would have way more TVs. Like Cliff did not have any computers around. No film up. It was just like a TV. He had that weird um, like outlet in the middle of the floor. We were all like, "What the?" F-? Um, I would I would have a lot of coded like secret messages, like weird things lying around that people could read too much into. Um, just know. random terms on it, like like books or little figurines. I don't know. Yeah, um, you've been a Seahawks fan too long because that's like what that's like Pete Carroll's uh, yeah. bit on Twitter on draft day. So yeah, I think yeah. you just stole his bit. Yeah, the answer to the puzzle is always trade down for a linebacker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I running back. I uh, I agree with you. You probably go big, look rich, and cool is probably the way to go. Um, but then it's like, do people, people might not take you seriously? They might be like that Playboy GM, you know, thinks like people were, I, I got some texts from around the league about the cliff setup, and people were less impressed and they were like, this dude's, you know, a little bit of a dilettante. So yeah, I'd probably go with the grinder setup now that I think about it, just film on everywhere. Like so much film that it's impossible to even actually be studying anything that would, that's that's what i'm going with oh the grinder setup okay uh question two what was your favorite signing of the day you can say one that we already talked about but you can also be a hipster and be like you know hmm, i'm gonna go with one we favorite. haven't talked about john johnson with the the browns i saw you tweeted out that you had mentioned that as a, a possible pairing i i wrote about that as a perfect pairing last week so we're both on the same page there i think he fits well in that defense and what they do and i think they really, really needed help in that area of the field, and they got it. And it was cheap. He's getting like eleven million a year, which is like barely top ten safety money. It's cool it's that deal. you you wrote about it last week. I tweeted it January thirty first, so no, no big deal. <laughs> but I mean, if we're just gonna, um, yeah, I liked it too. Obviously, since I correctly predicted it so much longer before, and I stole week. your take. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, I'm getting a lot of Twitter love for my prediction. Um, I think, yes, I like that. I think that um, I, I kind of just briefly alluded to it, but the Jason Barrett, Barrett, pardon me, deal, it's one year, five and a half million dollars. Um, again, imp- not just because I like the player and a great story and came back from injury and whatnot, but also this is such a bad cornerback, as we've discussed, market that I think their ability to keep him is, um, yeah, impressive. All right, next question. Question number three. Um, which remaining free agent would you like to assign to a specific team? Uh, I'm going to pick Corey Davis because I think he's my favorite free agent out of really? this class. I think yeah, I think there's a possibility that we look back on this and think he was the best receiver available in a very deep class. Hmm. And I want him, I want to put him on the Patriots. I, wait, and you, I think wait, 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 
Anyway, you just okay. Wait, wait, wait. You think he's better than Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, and Chris Godwin? Or you mean I wasn't counting Rob? I wasn't counting the franchise tag guys. Okay, so you think he's better than Galladay? Yes, I think he's better than Galladay. Okay, Galladay's one of those weird players. Like he he's a contested catch guy, but he he's a body catcher too at the same time. Like go look at his highlights. He doesn't pluck the ball out of the air. It's just weird to me. I is that why it always looks so cool and difficult? I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's why I really think that's why. And like just watching him run on tape, and he's not very fast. And I think Corey Davis gives you everything that Galladay gives you, but he's a better athlete. The concern, that's of course, take, is that he he's been good like one year. So I think Galladay's only been good for one year too. So uh, wow, defensive. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to put him on the Pats. I want to put him on the Pats because I think he's a he's one of those wide receivers that's a, a real difference maker as a blocker. So you put him close to the line of scrimmage with Johnu Smith, and you get that Titans thing going a little bit, and Cam Newton's running read options. I think that offense looks a lot better. You forgot about Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Right, right. Those two trades are those two signings ruined that. Like those two are like yeah. kind of like a combination of of Corey Davis. What but, about the Ravens? Yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect oh. fit too. That's a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because they they signed they they signed Dez last year. I know. I got uh. see. Look, I'm just. I really am just stealing all your takes for free agency. They signed oh, Dez last funny. year, and I think Davis could be what they thought Dez was going to be. Like he could be that red zone monster. He could be a guy you could just throw a screen to, and he could just break a bunch of tackles. So, yeah, I, I like. It. I you like had it first. I like that they signed Zeitler, by the way. I mean, we talked about the Giants end of it, but uh, like offensive line was as much of an issue as lack of talent wide receiver for Baltimore because it's just so injured at the end of the year. Um, and I think that's the, we'll see what happens with Orlando Brown, but that's a really, really important area of need for them. And they've also said they don't want to go for like a number one wide receiver, probably try to pick up a bargain a little bit later. I, I mentioned. Oh, this is actually, uh, I cannot think of his name now without thinking of the tweet because of you, you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. So I'm not, we're not going to read the tweet on air, but I actually have said this. I like the idea of Juju Smith-Schuster in Baltimore. I weirdly think he'd be a great fit there. He can block. He's good over the middle. He's tough. He's responsible for one of the greatest tweets in the history of NFL Twitter. I mean, what, what's not to like? <laughs> I'm going to start uh, when I start referring to him. I'm going to say, oh, yeah, it it rhymes with Juju Smith-Schuster. That's how you get around not having to say that. But, yeah, I, I think we need this tweet to become like legendary in the same way that like everyone knows Kevin Clark has that one tweet about the Seahawks whenever they do something right, weird. Right. This needs to be like a tweet that comes up whenever Juju Smith-Schuster does something. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to sign so I can get my customized jersey. I don't know about you. <laughs> um, and I, I hope he changes his people. number. I don't know. How, I don't know how to even tell people to look up the tweet, which I'm not reading on air. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to guide people to it. I feel like it's a bad idea. Okay, fourth qu- fourth question from me. Um, totally unrelated to football. As the nation's preeminent Brooklyn Nets super fan, um, who's your favorite NBA team? Oh God, this is going to be embarrassing. The Washington Wizards. That's not embarrassing. They're kind of they're kind of spicy lately. Actually, being a wizard, no one's a Wizards fan in DC. 
I'm like, there's like four of us. Surprisingly, they all. Why are you the other teams. a Wizards fan and a Panthers fan? Uh, I grew up around this area. That's why I'm a Wizards fan. But all my family was Washington football team fans, and I I hated that team, so I had to pick another team. And this was around the same time the Panthers. I think they were like a new teams, and they had nice colors. And I was a young kid, so I picked them. Um. Well. Speaking of the Panthers, last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Uh, he heard you talking about how you're going to get a DDSP jersey for Juju. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, he just wants to know, when the Panthers inevitably draft Mac Jones at eight, what color jersey would you like as a gift? I'm not answering this question. So I'm white? Sorry. You want white? <laughs> yeah, give me the white. That makes the most sense when you drafted Mac Jones in the first round.